Why don't you guys make your way to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 that we have in our own language, right? The whole Bible. What a privilege. Over the last few months, I've seen a speech therapist every Tuesday morning. She's been helping me with my stutter. As, as she, she was asking me um, some questions one morning um, about my relationship with my speech. She brought up this aspect of shame. She was curious how I've handled shame as a stutterer over the years. And boy, her, her definition of shame threw a pebble in my shoe. Uh, it stuck with me all day. I even had to go consult my theology books just to make sure her definition checked out. And it did. She said, shame doesn't say you did something wrong, but that you are wrong. That hit me hard because if I'm being honest, when I hit walls with my speech, when I'm struggling to get words out of my mouth, shame is my experience. In, in those moments, at my core, with my head usually bowed down, I can resonate with those words, you are wrong, Rick. What about you? Have, have you experienced shame? Are you currently experiencing shame? Maybe for you, your entire relationship with God is one of shame. Like, yeah, maybe God loves me, but he definitely doesn't like me. Maybe you're someone who, who's seeking with all your heart the, the approval of those you admire. Likes on your social media posts or, or recognition from others that you are worth something. Some of the most successful people are some of the most shameful people. And out of this lack of worth, they pursue their worth. Find their success in health, looks, wealth, performance, marriage, children. Find it in their careers, in their status. Shame may make us feel like at our core we're worth nothing. But hey, if people like me, if I drive a nice car live in an amazing house, look beautiful in the mirror, have obedient kids, or at least one who's killing it in sports, a a perceived healthy marriage, fluent speech, a net worth, fill in the blank. Maybe, just maybe then I have some value. Well, if that's you, and if we're honest, at some level, I think all of us are wrestling with shame. Well, our passage this morning is for us. As Luke is going to show us that our gentle and lowly Savior is deeply moved to see shameful people become whole as they are seen by Christ himself. And is this not what we need? It's not what we most want to be whole to. To live without any shame like Adam and Eve in the garden. To be completely exposed, truly seen, warts and all, and yet fully loved, approved, accepted, a sense of, a sense of belonging. 
You might be thinking, this sounds too good to be true. Well, let's find out. If you're not already there, open those Bibles to Luke chapter 5. We'll begin in verse 12. Luke, writing in the context of an honor and shame society, says, verse 12, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. So as Jesus is probably walking around with some of his new disciples right at the beginning of his public ministry, in an undisclosed town in the region of Galilee, we come upon quite the scene. Most likely, this is a moment where Jesus is not surrounded by a bunch of crowds. How do we know that? He's already becoming quite the celebrity pastor. Well, look what it says. A man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now, now at some point this week, you should read Leviticus 13 and 14. Israel's law provided them detailed instructions on how to deal with Israelites who had leprosy. And it was pretty funny. As I was preparing my sermon this week, my son Joseph broke out with sores all over his body. My first thought no way, my, my son got leprosy the, the week I'm preaching on leprosy. Now, I'm an ethnic Jew, but I'm, I'm glad I'm not under Jewish law. Instead of having to find a priest, Holly found our pediatrician. And, and it wasn't leprosy, just hand, foot, mouth. Although, who, who, who would name something that? But don't worry, he, he's, he's not in child's care. My, my family is resting at home. But in the first century... If your skin began to scab or rash, you'd make an appointment, not to your doctor. You make an appointment to see your priest. And if the priest confirms this is a skin disease, the result, unclean. And it might as well have been stamped on your forehead. Oh, you did not want to hear the words unclean. For some, the, the rash or the scabs, they would quickly go away. And as they followed all the rules, they would eventually be brought back into the community. After the priest, he would pronounce clean. But that was not always the case. What if it didn't go away? Or what if it got worse? I mean, look at the guy in our passage. A man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now, how long had it been since he was first deemed unclean? And when you're deemed unclean, this has, this has massive consequences. Shame like you couldn't imagine. And you were required to live in isolation from your entire community. Your, your, your closest family and friends, they gone. Talk about quarantine. Let me read a couple verses from Leviticus chapter 13. It's verses 45 and 46. It won't be on the screen. You just have to listen. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. Let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! 
As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. At a deep level, we all want to belong. Belong to God. Belong to one another. This man is covered with leprosy. Now, we don't know any of the details of his life, but like all of us, he has a story. Right? How old is he? How long has he been unclean for? When was the last time he saw his family, his friends? What were his childhood dreams? Definitely not this. When was the last time someone gave him a hug or even touched him? Like the poet John Keats said, touch has a memory. How far back does this memory go for this man covered with leprosy? We don't know. What, what we do know is if he ever saw anybody, he was commanded as a Jew to yell, unclean, unclean, and people would run. And as a Jew, even if you entered into a house where leprosy had broken out, you were deemed unclean. This man wasn't just an outcast. He was literally the scum of the earth. Alone, most likely in pain, and most definitely shamed. Now we know because of his reaction to Jesus that he must have somehow heard about this new up-and-coming rabbi. Everyone was talking about Jesus, but when he sees Jesus, he doesn't yell what he's supposed to yell, unclean, unclean. Look at verse 12. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Though my man here is lacking in many things. And at the top of that list, a desire to belong. A desire to be seen. To be known. I mean, you see it even in his, in his actual request. It's not, heal me, Jesus. It's, make me clean. Bring me back into the community. He's been isolated for who knows how long. Outside of the camp. But one thing he's not lacking is faith. Lord, if you are willing. Whatever this man has heard about Jesus, he believes. He's calling him Lord for crying out loud. He knows Jesus can heal him. The question he's asking Jesus is one he's been wrestling with his whole life. Are you willing for someone like me. He's feeling the weight of his own shame. Shame doesn't say you, you did something wrong, but that you are wrong. He, he can't even look Jesus in the eyes. He fell with his face to the ground. Please, Jesus, I see you, but will you see me? Nobody sees me. Please, if you're willing, make me clean. Do, do you feel the tension? How will Jesus respond? Look at verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. 
I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. What the heck did Jesus just do? I'm sure Jesus' disciples were freaking out when they saw the leper. Like this dude is going to ruin Jesus' ministry and our future. We just hung up our fishing nets for crying out loud. We have momentum. Jesus just caught all those fish. We have quite the following. We cannot let this leper get close to Jesus. The last thing we need spreading around Galilee is that our rabbi, who might be the Messiah, is unclean. And remember, Jesus could have just spoken from a distance. Be healed. But he doesn't. In in Mark's account of the story, in Mark chapter 1, he mentions that Jesus is deeply moved. Moved with compassion. Moved with empathy. Pity. And what is Jesus moved to do? He sees this man. He reaches out and touches the leper. And instead of Jesus becoming unclean, when the leper makes skin-to-skin contact with him, the leper becomes clean as he touches the Son of God. This is what Craig Blomberg calls contagious holiness. And is this not the gospel? The, The Son of God became a man to take the brokenness of this world, to take our sin, to take our shame upon himself and die for us. And die for us where? Outside the camp. On an unclean Roman cross. And in exchange for our sin, our uncleanness, Jesus gives us life. He gives us wholeness. He makes this leper and us clean. Imagine what that touch felt like to this man. I wonder how long Jesus just held him there before he he spoke a word. And after the initial shock of Jesus' physical touch turned to pleasure and then maybe tears of joy, he hears Jesus' sweet words, I am willing. Be clean. In his wonderful book, The Soul of Shame, the neurotheologian Dr. Kurt Thompson says, Every newborn comes into the world looking for someone looking for them. I love that. I'm going to read that again. Every newborn comes into the world looking for someone looking for them. Jesus is deeply moved to see shameful people like this leper and like you and me become whole as they are seen by Christ, by Christ himself. Or like Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee, until they are seen by thee. This is what we were created for, to be seen by the one who not only created us, but who is looking for us. Have you laid yourself fully exposed before the Son of God? Because when we come to him with all of our sin and all of our shame, all of our brokenness, 
in faith, we likewise receive the contagious holiness of Christ. We are made whole. Let's finish the story. Verse 14. Then Jesus ordered him, Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. This man who who once heard the priest pronounce him unclean will hear those words reversed. His shame now lies in the past. And though Jesus told him, keep this on the DL, bro. Verse 15, yet the news about him spread all the more. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mark's account's a little bit more blunt. He says, instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Hey, he's a new Christian. Give him a break. I'm I'm sure Jesus just smiled. You you can't blame him, right? This, This man who has been an outsider has not only been brought back into the community, but has been seen by his creator. He's found his worth. Of course, he can't keep it to himself. What about you? Kirk Thompson again says, We are only as sick as the secrets we keep, and shame is committed to keeping us sick. We don't come to Christ with the version of ourselves that we want him to see. We come to Christ with the versions of ourselves we really are. We come with our shame, our brokenness, our sin, our past, our most hidden selves. To to be fully loved is to be truly known. This takes vulnerability. In her book, Handle with Care, Lori Wilbert says, To touch is to be vulnerable and to be touched is to be vulnerable too. Like the leper, some of us need to be touched by Christ this morning. Will you be vulnerable enough to let him touch you? To let him heal you? To let him make you whole? And and, and after you're seen by Christ, my encouragement to you is to be seen and known by others. The, the only way we're going to move from shameful to flourishing is when we are known by others. There's no such thing as the Lone Ranger Christian. They don't exist. We, we need each other, church, and we need to go deep with each other. So, so let's be seen by Christ and by others. And, and final application, let's see Christ and see others. Like Robert Murray McShane said, for every one look at self, take 10 looks at Christ. Friends, let's constantly get our eyes on Jesus. He and he alone is our identity. Remember, shame doesn't say you you did something wrong, but that you are wrong. 
Now, a secular counselor like Brene Brown or even my speech therapist might be able to diagnose a few problems. But their solution, you are enough. Let me tell you, with the authority of the Word of God and as one of your pastors, that's a load of crap. You're not. It's a lie, but, but Christ... Christ is enough. Amen. And in him, we find our identity. In Christ, we find our worth. When we see Jesus for who he is and who he is for us, we can rest in our identity, our identity in Christ. And then we can properly see others for who they are. Fellow image bearers. The church ought to be the most welcoming place from our neighbors to the ones our culture has deemed unclean, repulsive, disgusting, just hard to deal with. We see others, even the lepers of our society, because we have been seen. We welcome because we have been, we've been welcomed. David Brooks, in his brilliant new book that I'm not finished with yet, How to Know a Person, says this, The worst sin against our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. Redemption Parker, imagine what it would look like for us to be the church. Known by God so we can go out of these walls and know others. To the glory of God and joy of all peoples. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that even as we see the leper, we can see ourselves in our shame and in our sin and in our brokenness. God, thank you that you that you see us, that you reach out, that you touch us, but that you also want us to come to you with, with who we actually are, God. Shame wants to keep those parts hidden deep, but you want us to flourish. You want us to be whole as we are truly seen by you. So God, I pray that as a church, we would be seen by you, that we would know others, that we would be deep in our fellowship and our care for the lepers in our society. Christ, we love you and be glorified. Amen.